Pastor Stuart Briscoe shared a story about his trip to Brazil, where he met a group of missionary linguists who were working with the primitive tribes. Well, the missionaries were discussing the difficulties that they faced in their work, and one young missionary then asked the others for some help. He said, In our tribal group, there is no word for thank you. Does anyone know, have any ideas of what to do with that? To Pastor's astonishment, everyone said that they faced the same problem. Apparently, the native uh, language of the South American peoples just didn't have a concept of gratitude. Now, that sounds crazy, but consider this. We live in a civilized world where our vocabulary is rich and abundant with a variety of words. And yet, to be truly grateful, it must originate in the heart and not from the vocal cords. It's Saturday, November 27, 2021, and today we are discussing the following two stories. The tragic polarized view of what happened in Wokesha, Wisconsin, and the ever-escalating, devastating conflict between two nations that never should have even fought in the first place. Welcome to LifeRing, a podcast where we strive to provide you with a well-rounded review of what is going on in the world between Monday and Friday of this past week. My name is Alex, and I'm blessed to be joined today by my friend and today's co-host, Vadim. Hello. Hello, Vadim. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Yes. Did you have a happy Thanksgiving? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, we had a dinner at uh, at a relative's house with family and then you know, had a Friendsgiving at your house. So yeah, if you're fishing for compliments, uh, <laughs> it was good. Yeah, you and your happy. wife are very good hosts. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I think um, most people, well, I, I assume, see, that's what I assume. I assume that most people have a happy Thanksgiving, but considering COVID and considering how people are nowadays and that there's people out there who are lonely and are not part of any church or even social club or whatever you call it, whatever you do outside of church, there might be lonely people out there. So we're blessed to be able to meet together. But if you're giving thanks, if you're giving thanks, doesn't that make you happy by default in some way? Yeah, that in itself could be, I guess, yeah. Wow, what a profound thought. You could be happy by yourself, having a happy Thanksgiving, as long as you're giving thanks. As long as you're not ungrateful. Yeah. And hopefully you're grateful because we're bringing to you a special episode today. By special, he means abridged. Yeah, as in it only has two stories instead of the usual four. But hey, we, we thank you for listening. Thank you. Um, thank you for being there because you truly make this podcast effort worthwhile. It's about eight hours uh, on average, how much each of us puts into this. Uh, that includes three of us that are working on this, me, Vadim, and Dennis. That's a lot of hours. But in the end, we're happy to do it because, well, it helps us grow and we're serving you in some sort of way. Um, and hopefully you grow as well. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, as some of you already done since last time. And thank you for following us on social media pages. Uh, God bless you. Now let's get to our first of the two stories for today. So our first story today involves a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. This is an annual event, uh, a tradition that was uh, taking place for the 58th time this year on November 21st. The parade had over 60 entries, which included groups like the Waukesha Extreme Dance Team, spelled X-T-R-E-M-E, and the Milwaukee Dancing Grannies, to name a couple. The theme this year was comfort and joy. The parade took a turn for the worse, however, when a man drove through the barricades in his SUV and uh, eyewitnesses say he began to zigzag through the crowd, 
deliberately hitting as many people as he could. Five people died on the scene and dozens more were injured. I got to see the video. I tried to watch the video. They don't let you. Um, yeah, I used uh, my imagination in, in how to obtain such a video uh, mm -hmm. and I still couldn't find it. So. so to continue, when police arrived on the scene, the suspect had fled. Um, so for a few hours, he was the target of a manhunt. See, this is where the controversy kind of begins, because uh, usually when there's a suspect at large, there is a memo given out, uh, and it's shared across news platforms and social media to help people narrow down the individual and tell them apart from everyone else. Uh, the more detailed, the better. So some networks describe the man by estimating his height and weight, but strangely leaving out the visually relevant detail that this man was of a, a certain distinct skin color. Other networks avoided the issue altogether by simply describing the car and reporting the incident as one uh, entirely brought about by the vehicle, I suppose. Um, have you heard about people commenting on this? No, I, I actually haven't. I, I've, I, I thought from the very beginning, from when I heard the story, at least what came through my news was, and I guess I was looking at conservative news, uh, it was an African-American man, yeah. Yeah, this, I mean, it all happened kind of fast, and I'm sure they took down those posts after he got caught, obviously, but, um, like, there was a lot of, there's a lot of discussion about, like, certain networks posting, um, like, be on the lookout for this suspect, and they completely omitted, omitted his race, and so it was like, it was like, are you trying to help us locate him, or are you, are you just trying to, are you just trying to save face, and, well... Well, the other part, now, now that you're saying, I think I heard it on Fox News that um, they were saying that in the beginning, before the news came out that he was white or he was black, that the assumption was on some of the networks that, that uh, he was a white guy. Yeah, I remember reading specifically, I guess, about the memo to ostensibly trying to help find him and, mm -hmm. then, and then not including, you know, obvious details about him that would certainly help to find him. Like, I, Identify I, him, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate the spirit of the whole thing. Like, can you imagine downplaying a tragedy by reducing the people involved to nothing but their racial identities to report this attack as yet another example of how white people are victimized by blacks and that we need to advance this and that political agenda to solve these problems who would do that right but you know what situation definitely calls for it when someone just killed a bunch of people in cold blood and the only agenda to be achieved is to find him and the only thing you know about him is what he looks like so, granted, I mean, it doesn't really affect the speed that he was arrested because they found him pretty quick, but that's not the point. But when he was arrested and we found out more details about him, it spring-loaded a whole other debate about bail reform because he, was, um, because he was out on bail for charges that were made against him in, earlier in the month. Uh, specifically, I guess, trying to run somebody over with his car who turned out to be not just a random stranger but, like, the mother of his child. Um, so this whole thing about bail bonds, the representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez weighed in on this issue the, the day following these attacks, um, pressing the need for more bail reform. Uh, but it's interesting because what she said was that, um, here, well, here's a quote, more than 75% of individuals in custody haven't been convicted of a crime and are confined in unsafe conditions simply because they cannot afford cash bail. Condemning thousands of individuals to languish in such environments as they await trial is unacceptable. Now, keep in mind that this was the day after the attack, which was carried out by a suspect who was out on bail for serious pending charges, which he repeated in a way more horrific way. Uh, so he was out on a $1,000 bail, 
Now, if you're not sure whether that's high or low, let's do a quick check of this guy's rap sheet. So this is uh, someone who's a registered sex offender, a domestic abuser, currently charged with attempting to run over somebody with a car um, at a gas station less than a month ago. So this is on a $1,000 bail. So meaning that he was already, like prior to this last thing that he did, he already was out on the bail. Yeah. Pending all those things. Yeah, he had he had a court hearing uh, sometime later in the near future, I'm sure. But for for reference, okay, so this is $1,000. For reference, the bail that was set uh, for this particular travesty was $5 million when he was officially charged with five counts of intentional homicide on Tuesday. Though prosecutors said they would be filing additional stuff because there's, a, there's somebody who died in the hospital um, after having been hit by his car. Um, so I'd say, I'd say his first bail was pretty lenient. All right, so, so all I know about bail is that something that pretty much you pay in order to get out while you're waiting for the trial? What is a bail? Uh, it's kind of like, kind of like, have you ever been to AutoZone and you want to use like one of their tools? And oh, so they, speaking they ask of that, I your... need to return my tools. I have like four, a stack of four, I think. Oh, okay. Man, it's been a while. work on that. Yeah. Um, okay, so like a, you use like one of their code readers or something. They ask for yeah. you for something that belongs to you. like. Mm-hmm your license, or if you don't have your license, then like your phone or something. Mm-hmm. Bail kind of works in the same way. It's like a pledge to the court that um, you're like, hey, here's this money. Uh, this is basically like a pledge that you're going to show up to the hearing that's later. Um, usually it's dependent on the seriousness of your charges and I guess how generally trustworthy you are. Sometimes it's pretty low, but other times it's it's exorbitantly high because they don't want you out in public. Can you imagine? Okay, so it's not based obviously on your income or how much assets you own. I'm just, I'm just thinking Jeff Bezos, <laughs> you know, or, or take right. anybody, Elon Musk, right? You pose, uh, you, give, you give him a bail like that, like a five million, and you'll never see them again. So what AOC tweeted, right, was that she wanted to, she keeps pushing this agenda that we need to actually make bail lower based on, based on what people's incomes are and what they're able to pay. So that was a good point to bring up. But I mean, knowing the Biden administration, they could probably, they would probably just cut him a check of $450,000 to ease his pain and suffering and call it a day. Yeah. And, and that's the problem is that, you know, if, if um, I mean, they're politicians, which means um, whether we, uh, you know, whether we think that it's right or not, they're going to use uh, tragedies, national events to promote their agenda, right? It's just in this case, it seemed like this was not a best time to do that. Like you could have, you could have used some other example, and I don't know if she timed it like that or not. Because I mean, you might even agree with the fact that maybe it should be based on like it should be out of your reach as a individual in this country or a citizen. Um, if you want to impose a severe amount, and again, what's up with the bail bonds? Like it essentially allows you to walk, but now you own the money to the. That's weird. <laughs> I feel like that's a loophole to make money for bail bond companies because you might as well just promise to the government that I promise I will show up. But I, I see it as like, well, bail bonds just means that there's another, there's a third party involved now that's going to hold you accountable mm. if you don't. Um, because if you're out in public, you're not in jail. If you right. run away to escape jail, you still have to escape not only the, the people authorities, trying to put you in jail, yeah. but the people that you owe money to. That you to. owe money to, yeah. And they'll go, they want their money back. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All told, I mean... I mean, just from the side piece, we kind of see how people are using this tragedy as 
uh, as a means to further a certain political agenda that's not even, you know, we could say it's not related, but in this case, it's like the opposite of what's relevant here. Speaking of using the opportunity to, you know, bring forth your political views or political agenda, um, at the time as this was unfolding, there were some people out there who were, of course, sarcastically saying this, but they were saying that we should have common sense laws to regulate SUVs. Um, basically, since, you know, the cars can be deadly. Oh, oh. and that, it was like an environmentalist conspiracy to get people to drive more fuel-efficient cars or something? No, no. Though in, this, in this case, it was this. They were calling for common sense laws to regulate SUVs as if, well, because you could see by this fact that SUVs kill, kill people, right? So why don't we just start regulating now SUVs? And I guess you could, <laughs> you could take it to the green side and say... Right, right. You should drive only electric SUVs because they'll never crash into people because yeah, they're equipped stop, with they'll it. They'll stop yeah. themselves. Exactly. Mm. Wait, do we, does Elon Musk have an alibi? Explain <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it to, yeah. Well, let's look at Tesla stock. Um, uh, but it's a sarcastic comment towards, you know, like if this was a shooting, we'd have another gun reform, you know, on the table. So there's this other uh, tweet that, actually got a person fired, a DuPage County Democratic Party social media director, Mary Lemonsky. She lost her job on Monday because she tweeted, um, it was probably just uh, self-defense um, in relation to the Kyle Rittenhouse trial that happened. And later she followed up uh, with saying, uh, quote, I'm sad. I'm sad anytime anyone dies. I just believe in karma. And this came around quick to the citizens of Wisconsin. Yeah, so there, there's people, you know, really... Um, to me, that's the sad part is that people sort of take this as an opportunity to promote their self view on things, you know, their own perspective, rather than considering like this is a tragedy. There's a person who needs to be in jail. Um, well, it's it implies that you want someone to one up tragedy that you feel like you experienced, which I mean, I, the Kyle Rittenhouse thing wasn't. Well, yeah, I guess we, we well, but I mean, the way that it's represented in her tweet is, you know, Black Lives Matter demonstrators were like, like mowed down by Kyle Rittenhouse or something. And, yeah. But I mean, that just opens up a different discussion about how we view and how we portray in our minds these, uh, these events that happen, like, anytime something like a shooting or natural disaster happens, I'm reminded of this conversation I overheard between my friend and his mom, uh, when we were still kids. And I don't want this to be misunderstood. But um uh, here's how it went. So he was reading about the Hindenburg uh, catching fire, so that big blimp thing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, how everybody on it had died. And so he told her how many people had died, and her response was that uh, it doesn't matter how many people died. It matters that it matters if they were ready to die. And that sounds grim. But isn't that the same thing Jesus said when he was told about Pilate massacring the Galileans? or the tower in Siloam that fell on people. Um, Here's a quote from uh, the Gospel of Luke. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And so, you know, it just, you know, what this lady said about the, like this was a one-up on Kyle Rittenhouse defending himself in Kenosha, that like there's the implication that, you know, like these people deserve to die because of because of this and this unrelated event, and so it's uh, yeah, it's sad. Welcome to the lightning round, where we cover certain stories that did not make it into our top. Well, usually top four. It's a shorter list today, but 
nevertheless, we have stories that are on our cutting room floor and we uh, would like to go through them. So this first one is an article from Bloomberg, which talks about Peng Shuai, who is a, uh, who is a Chinese tennis star, I guess. And so mm-hmm. she, was, uh, she has been missing from the public uh, for a few weeks now, but now there is a uh, video released, I guess, of her eating in a restaurant. And then she also had a 30-minute conversation with the International Olympic Committee, uh, where she assured the group that she was safe. And now this all comes, uh, well, why this is important? Because she apparently, on November 2nd, accused a retired vice, what is it, premier, Zhang Gaoli, of pressuring her into having sex with him despite her refusal three years ago. She also had said that she uh, had sex with Zhang seven years ago and developed feelings for him after that per Associated Press. Now, uh, the the interesting part about this is that on Thursday, the state media released... Uh, a message that was apparently attributed to her called it a retraction of her accusations. And this is where our government stepped in and said, we want a government to provide proof of her safety and whereabouts. Well, because she's known, I guess, as a tennis player internationally, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting to what lengths the video went to prove, like, what day it was. They zoomed in on a sign where it said that it was November, and then, like, in the in the dialogue, I guess, between the waiter and the people eating, that they the waiter somehow... Obviously, a very natural conversation where they confirmed that it was it was indeed November twenty first. Mm-hmm. Um, way to absolve yourself of any suspicion, Chinese government. Yeah. Okay. So here's a quick rundown of the COVID news. Um, apparently, Los Angeles prepares to kick forty four thousand unvaccinated kids out of school buildings because they're unvaccinated, but they can be homeschooled. And that sounds like a story from last week. The other news that I saw was was interesting is that apparently, and this is according to The Federalist, FDA demands 55 years to release documents about Pfizer vaccine approval. So what they're saying, it seems the FDA wants to slow talk uh, transparency until all the people responsible for approving a product with unknown long-term effects are dead. Uh, that that's what the article says, and and if you think about it, it's like, well, why would you ask for fifty five years to release the documents of something you've approved on a national level under such you know emergency? Like, aren't you proud of it? You know, what what is it? What what is in there that you'd want to hide it? I mean, what they say is that they don't have enough personnel to redact all the sensitive information as, you know, like processing everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, 80,000 pages of records. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you, you give everybody a weekend and then there's like new holidays. Just if you, if you wanted to uh, work on vaccine hesitancy, this probably doesn't help the case. I mean, there's, there's other problems like Omicron, you know, showing up unseen with its uh, new, new, new COVID variant. But, um, Apparently, Biden was spotted um, today on Saturday indoors, um, not wearing a mask. And you've seen the oh, video, right? Oh, yes. Very naughty. The, the the angle that they did where it's like they're filming from outside so you could see the door with the sign. And then Biden's face like appearing amongst all these other people with his mask fully down for an extended period of time of about one minute. Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe It less. didn't look like he was actively eating or drinking in that time no. either. Just. No. Although you never know, right? This next piece of news from The Federalist uh, talks about the Georgia governor releasing more evidence that the 2020 ballots were miscounted. Um, so there there was some data that, that he referred to the election board uh, showing 36, uh, quote, inconsistencies 
uh, in the results of a uh, of an audit from Fulton County. Now, if you recall, Georgia was the really close one with uh, the difference was less than 12,000 votes um, out of like 5 million or something. Of course, we can't change the fact that Biden is the president right now. But what we can do is bring... And it's you know what's interesting about this is this is a, a, a private citizen who did this, Joseph Rossi, uh, out of Georgia, and he just he went and requested um, you know the, these the, the images of the ballots from the state or from the county um, through the open records request, if you will, and just sat there and went through the you know comparing what the audit said versus what the actual thing was and found thirty six inconsistencies, and some of them are pretty pretty big. Again, they wouldn't swing the election uh, that much. But what they're showing is that if there's inconsistency in this county, mm. there's inconsistency. And in, in they're pretty big. Sometimes they're like attributing extra 100 votes to Biden or giving a full zero to Trump when in reality it was like, let's say, 60. Right. So it's not so, like he found 36 votes that were... No, no, no. That were... No. There's, um, there's like a whole... Like, here's the first one I'm looking at. See um, what the audit showed is there was three for Trump, 95 for Biden, when in reality it was 25 for Trump, 74 for Biden. Still low, but like, the, the, and he found 36 of these, which are all over the place. So uh, the, there's there's a valid reason to, to review. So uh, remember the day when Trump decided to launch, what was it called, the Space, space Force? Well, now the Department of uh, Defense has announced there's going to be a new force. It's called the UFO Task Force. And it's going to help U.S. government to do exactly that, spot and identify unknown objects in the air and determine if they pose any threats. And that's according to CBS News. The agency announced on Tuesday that it's creating the Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group. Not a very readable acronym of Realistically, what can you do against these objects that like seem to fade in and out of existence? Another, another, another force added to U.S. military. Yeah. It's just weird. We're getting into this like yeah. fictional military forces. So this is an article from the Atlanta Journal Constitution uh, that talks about an incident, I guess, in the Atlanta airport where there there was somebody at the security gate that had a like a, a firearm in their backpack or luggage, whatever, um, that they were carrying onto the plane. And so when they were scanning it through the thing, um, one of the TSA officers, you know, started to reach for it to open it up. And so the, the passenger like lunged at it. Uh, and then the gun went off, I guess, while it was still inside the bag. At which so, point he grabbed it. Okay. And then they grounded the whole airport for the whole thing. Because okay, for a yeah, while. because because they were they were worried that it was an active shooter. Yeah. The irony of this all is that it says no weapons beyond this point, right? Like I mean and they're saying what's alarming is how many people actually continue. Like the amount of guns, I guess, they're retrieving at the TSA checkpoint is just alarming. Well, yeah, but I mean, you're, you're allowed to carry guns in your luggage as long as you check it in. Okay, here, here's the actual quote. The number of firearms that our TSA officers are stopping at airport checkpoints is alarming. And so I, I assume this means illegal because, yeah, if you put it in case, you it's unloaded. And, and uh, the ammunition has to be also separate from it cannot be in your... Mm. magazine now when we're talking about let's say green um energy and all of that uh here's an interesting point that was written into the you know the trillion dollar spending bill so apparently on friday the house of representatives passed the build back better act president's uh signature legislation and 
according to Reason.com. Despite being much smaller than it was initially proposed, the bill is stuffed with Democratic wish list items, including policies on climate change, child care, family leave, immigration. The bill is expected to face opposition and likely some pruning when it reaches the Senate. But one proposal, they say, jumps out as an obvious contender for the chopping block. And it's this, $12,000 as an incentive or what is it, a rebate, a government rebate for buying an electric car unless it's Tesla. And that's that's the kind of thing that, you know, is built into this um, push for cleaner energy and whatnot is that now they will also have control over what kind of green technology you should use or could use or could get a rebate for, a rebate for. It seems like they're trying to promote stuff that's made in the USA, or at least that's what they're saying it is. But, I mean, if the goal is to cut down carbon emissions, isn't Tesla, like, have the best range in their batteries by quite a big margin? That's not even getting into this discussion about, like, lifetime emissions for this car, you know, from, from its conception, you know, when you're mining lithium and stuff. Uh, and then producing it versus an internal combustion engine that's first of all, already exists. I was talking to my friend Igor this weekend, and um, you know, one of the thoughts that, or comments he made about the green move towards cleaner energy is that in the past you have fossil fuels, right? And it's dominated by mainly Republicans, the field of fossil fuels. And so what you have is, well, now the other side is in power, and they, of course, want a piece of pie piece of the pie and so they want to do it in their own way a lot of these nice moves towards cleaner energy and better new world um, have certain clauses that essentially will make them the guys who are redefining what this green world will look like and tesla is one example right so it's like if you're not basically because tesla does not uh, conform to all of their requirements you can't get the full rebate so you'd have to go with something that either doesn't exist anymore or would cater to somebody who's okay with all of the agenda that they have on the list. So another article from the Reason Free Minds and Free Markets website, uh, Tucker Carlson interviewed Kyle Rittenhouse, and he did something that was uh, surprising. He endorsed Black Lives Matter, uh, or, or at least the movement. It looks like he, um, he, he wanted to feel a bit safer as he's going to go and re-enter the world supposedly under um, what is it called? Witness protection? Mm-hmm. Which I don't know how that's going to play out. Does that mean you just have a bodyguard? Because there's no way he's not going to be recognizable. So in that sense, I think he made a comment probably. Because, I mean, again, that's his personal view. What I found also interesting is that uh, they're saying that the show drew 5 million viewers um, which usually be like 2.5 or something. That's That's a huge uptick. Oh, and, and speaking on this topic then, um, there's a liquor company that has a brand of, uh, you know, an alcoholic beverage called Rittenhouse Rye. And they actually ask customers not to buy this uh, brand because people were celebrating the Rittenhouse verdict. You would think they would benefit from it. I mean, they would just, but I guess they were woke enough to where they're like, don't buy it. I actually haven't seen a bunch of cancel uh, stories Lately, the cancelers are getting better and to the point where we're not even noticing. Mm. Wasn't there a big one about mm. the, the uh, what's his name, the barstool sports guy where people were like buying his pizzas? Uh, I, maybe I, I haven't heard it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to break it down. But the, that was that was pretty recent, I think. And that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. 
and I have no idea what happened in the aftermath. <laughs> but it was, I mean, the guys on Daily Wire talked about it, where they, they like, promoted the, mm. uh, there's, there's, like, a frozen pizza that he makes, mm. I guess, I don't know. So this is a news uh, story that's very recent. There was a person shot at Tacoma Mall in Washington State uh, last night, Friday night, after which shoppers were sent scrambling for safety. So as of Saturday afternoon, no arrests have been reported. Um, the story is pretty big and has about 150 stores. Uh, to put it in perspective, just so you kind of know where it's at, if you've seen the movie Ivan uh, about the gorilla in the Tacoma Zoo, did you? No. You personally didn't. Uh-huh. But anyways, if you're familiar with the movie, that's uh, the location of uh, where this be- true story happened about Ivan the gorilla. So this happened in a Nordstrom store, but you know what else happened at Nordstrom? But not in Tacoma, in Walnut Creek, which is a city in the San Francisco Bay area. There was dozens of looters that swarmed into a Nordstrom store um, Saturday night, terrorizing shoppers, assaulting employees, ripping off bag loads of merchandise, and ransacking the, the shelves before making a break for it. And it went on like that for, for a few days. And it also seemed like it was organized, like somebody was, I don't know whether they're using some kind of chats to gather a bunch of people, or it's just, I don't know, everybody's just jumping in on the frenzy. But I don't know if the whole thing was orchestrated. I mean, even if there's a big sale, there's people that know, like... There's people that know there's a come up and show up to clean the shelves, even if they're paying for stuff. So this happens every year. Uh, apparently in Western Australia, or I should say on an island off the coast of Western Australia, there's these millions of red crabs that are crawling across the Christmas island on Tuesday. And we're talking about like millions of them, right? And they are blocking the, i mean they cause jams traffic jams if you haven't seen it if you if you've never seen uh this migration it looks quite uh mind-boggling there's like literally millions of them and they take over whole neighborhoods as they make their annual migration journey to the ocean uh this article from bloomberg talks about apple uh working on a car project that's aiming for a fully autonomous vehicle yeah it seems like self-driving cars will be in our near future I know I've said this before, but I think subscription model makes a lot of sense in the future. Meaning you don't have to own a car, but rather you subscribe to just having a car pull up to you, you mm. know, at any given point. Because they're all just going to be automated. And so it's going to be cheaper to just be part of the system, plug into the system rather than have your own that will be plugging into the system. We'll see. Now in India, uh, or India apparently, according to The Verge, uh, <laughs> has reached out to its people and said, please stop ordering Starlink satellites you know, the whole internet thing, right? Mm. Uh, because apparently Tesla did not obtain the government permission yet in that country. Yeah, because, I mean, isn't it pretty easy to bypass something like that if it's coming from space? Like, you need some kind of you need some kind of special router, but that's it, right? Yeah, you, I mean, you'd have your little dish at home, and then you just wait for the satellites to pass, pass above the sky. And, uh, like, what... Where does government come in with that? Like, I don't know. To me, it seems just as silly as saying, don't access these websites outside our country. They did not obtain our licenses. You know, like you, you're just receiving a signal. I don't know. But what do I know? <laughs> I'm not an Indian prime minister, right? It's not even that people are using Starlink. It's that they're buying pre-orders. They're telling them, can't even do that. Did I say Tesla Starlink? Yeah. Oh, SpaceX Starlink. But it's, it is essentially... Right, okay. Say, <laughs> I see. From the same family. So I haven't seen this video yet, but there's an article on ESPN that talks about the NBA suspending LeBron James 
uh, for one game. And Isaiah Stewart is suspended for two games. Uh, so they didn't get in a tussle. LeBron just punched a guy. You have to watch the video. Oh, man. Yeah, go go watch but the video. LeBron, LeBron gets off scot-free. Which... But both of them set out for a game, I think, right, or so? No, this guy, Isaiah Stewart, is suspended for two games. Two games, okay. Yeah, LeBron just gets one for sucker punching someone. I mean, it, it, you know, what's interesting, when I was watching, um, I don't know whose TV network it was, but, like, you see from one angle, it's like, oh, yeah, he was just trying to get out of the way. And then they switch to a second shot, and this is, like, all done live. And they're like, yeah, it looks like he just accidentally, like, got him, you know. And then they show the second shot, and this is all live, and they're like, get all quiet. They're like, yeah, <laughs> actually, in that one, it looks a little bit different. <laughs> and then, of course, yeah, the other guy just lost it. So the, the last story for today is uh, one that is pretty exciting because it's almost like out of science fiction. And maybe it is. This week we had the chance to watch it with our kids. Actually, the launch, the live launch of um, Dart Mission, which is this golf cart-sized little machine that we essentially launched into space and hurled it with precision towards this small asteroid that is orbiting around another bigger asteroid. And our hope is to smack the smaller asteroid and then affect its orbit, essentially, so that it would change trajectory does the mass affect how much it will impact this asteroid or is it more about how much propulsion it can get while still i think it's more about the impact and again in our case why we're doing this is because if an asteroid's coming towards the earth we can deflect it because in space you have no um resistance from air i guess uh it's more likely to be to use to smack something off course than, say, or in our atmosphere. I think what they were demonstrating inside the ISS, which does have air, I guess, but... No, when but Russia, still in Russia, Russia practiced on the ISS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what they did is they had an astronaut in the middle of, you know, like hanging in this zero gravity, or there's this astronaut hanging freely in space, and they throw a pillow at him. And that pillow, on an impact, you know, slowly but surely starts to push the astronaut back. This is the first one, uh, historical mission for, um, you know, for this kind of project. So we'll see. Uh, it's going to take 10 months for the golf cart-sized, like, fridge-sized object to arrive at that asteroid. And then we're going to see if we affected the orbit. And if we do, we have the beginnings of an uh, interplanetary defense system. Sounds fancy. And that's uh, the last story of today's lightning round. So we're going to talk about Ukrainian uh, story now. Uh, why would I pick this story to be one of the highlights of the week? Well, the reason is that besides the recipes for turkey, polls of whether you should put up a Christmas tree before Thanksgiving or after, or Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals, nothing else really shook the world. Well, except maybe the Omicron. Trust me, you'll get to hear enough of Omicron in the days to come. Wait, is that another Greek letter that we haven't heard of? Yep, another one coming unseen. Uh, it's the new COVID-19 variant that came out of southern Africa, which now apparently has been detected in UK, Italy, and Germany as of Saturday. And the whole string of countries are being added up to the do-not-travel list, uh, countries such as Malawi, Mozambique, Zambia, and Angola, apparently. So why Ukraine? Well, first of all, it is the country um, where both of us were born in, me and Vadim. But besides that, it seems like there might be, and hopefully not, uh, yet there are signs that there might be some kind of conflict brewing in the following days, weeks, and possibly months. Isn't there always? There has been for the past, well, what should we say, 
eight, nine years. Not before that, not, not, not at such a scale as the past eight years. So, to set the scene, you're in for a bit of a Ukrainian history lesson. Say, Alex, yeah. I don't know much about this Ukraine <laughs> country. Do you think you can give us a rundown? Sure. Now, Ukraine is a country in the Eastern Europe. Uh, it was part of the USSR as one of the 16 republics. And it was uh, like that from 1922 up until 1991. Now, of course, uh, Ukraine, just like most countries, joined the Soviet Union in the 1920s under pressure because of the bright promises of the revolutionary movement at that time, the socialist movement. The Tsar was overthrown, and it was a time of political and social instability. And so Ukrainian people, they sought to create independent Ukrainian state. Now, of course, language and the ethnic group uh, is mentioned in the historical documents going back all the way to 12th century, at which point Kiev, that's a modern-day capital of Ukraine, well, at that time, Kiev, Kiev was the capital of the whole Russian kingdom known at that time as Kievan Rus. So as history tells us, in March 1917, the Russian Revolution broke out on the streets of Petrograd, which is the modern-day St. Petersburg. And in July of next year, full-on civil war broke out and the uh, Tsar was killed. And so then the Ukrainian people, they, you know, feeling this new era coming in, something's going to change. They decided to form their own country finally. And uh, it worked for about three years. So from 1917 to 1922, there was this country of Ukraine, Republic of Ukraine. Now, eventually, Red Army ended up controlling most of the Ukraine territories. And in 1922, Ukraine joined a few other countries to form what became known as USSR. Regular folks, the people, think about, you know, people who live and did their farming and stuff. They didn't really like the communist plan where everything had to become the state property. Uh, farming was to be collective and so on. And so the Ukrainian people, they paid dearly in 1932. So an artificial famine was created uh, by taking away all of the food from the people uh, forcefully because, quote-unquote, the country needed it, you know, the food elsewhere. And it, it was the work of stalling at that time. Um, the event became known as Holodomor. And as a result, uh, an estimate between 2.6 and 10 million people perished from hunger. Now, fast forward to the fall of Soviet Union and Ukraine becomes an independent country again in 1991. And so the, the current Ukraine, uh, the country, the current country of Ukraine then keeps um, its founding date as August 24th, 1991. But just so you have that background that this is a country that dates, you know, way back into the history. However, the country always had friendly relations with Russia, Belarus. These are the two neighboring countries that are most similar in language to each other. And to be honest, we always considered each other as brothers. Like there was no there was no borders between us. You could easily go from one country to another. Of course, passports are different, all of that. Well, uh, and I'm quoting Wikipedia here, in 2013, after the government of President Viktor Yanukovych had decided to suspend the Ukraine-European Union Association Agreement and seek closer economic ties with Russia, a several months long wave of demonstrations and protests known as Euromaidan began, which later escalated into the 2014 Ukrainian revolution that led to the overthrow of Yanukovych and the establishment of the new government. These events, they go on to say, formed the background for the annexation of Crimea by Russia in March 2014 and the war on Donbass in April of 2014. So here we are. 30 years later since the founding of a nation and its primary conflict is with someone they share the land with for centuries. Well, the news that came out this week is that, uh, and that's something that you can keep an eye on, 
and I quote this from according to Bloomberg, the U.S. has shared intelligence, including maps with the European allies that show a buildup of Russian troops and artillery to prepare for a rapid, large-scale push into Ukraine from multiple locations if President Vladimir Putin decide to, decided to invade, according to people familiar with the conversations. I'm not surprised. Um, I think that the reasons for it will depend on who you ask, as we have seen pretty much from the beginning, ever since 2014. Here's another quote from uh, Reuters. Uh, the head of Ukraine's military intelligence told the Military Times outlet last week that Russia had more than 92,000 troops massed around Ukraine's borders and was preparing for an attack by the end of January or beginning of February. That's 92,000 troops that are essentially flocked to the borders. And obviously not because they're just feeling like it. Yeah, I don't know if it's hearsay or not, but I read somewhere that, that Russia had also pulled its uh, pulled its reserves into service. So then again, obviously, you know, Russian officials deny all of this. And, and to compare, I mean, uh, if you look at the map, of Eastern Europe, you'll see that Russia takes up most of it just by the vast amount of lands that, that they have. doesn't mean – and population-wise as well, I guess, but China is probably more, right, in terms of population than Russia? Oh, yeah. China is like a quarter right. of the world yeah. at this point. So, But as far as land mass, I mean, Russia Russia is pretty dominant in that, in that part of the world, and Ukraine is pretty small. And so I don't think it would be tough for them to overrun. So, so looking at the size of the country and, and just probably the – I, again, I don't know how strong the military of Ukraine is in, in comparison to other countries in the world, but just looking at the size of the countries, you could see who, who would eventually um, win. But here it's probably going to be not so much a measure of power, but rather a measure of diplomacy because U.S. is involved and European Union is involved. You know, it's like there's there's just more at play than just these two countries. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack just pretty much in any conversation that involves uh, conflict between Russia and Ukraine. I, I know that you mentioned a hypothetical situation where they, the two countries would be at war. I think Poland would probably compare fairly evenly with Ukraine. And so uh, I, I read recently in the news that there was a story of uh, Poland increasing their military budget to um, to almost double their personnel in military and volunteer branches. So this happened after the, some top brass in the Polish military. I guess they were uh, they were running this war game. They basically simulated an invasion of Poland by Russia. And so the results, of course, they're classified. But based on what they released to the public, the report made a comment that it was worse than 1939. And so that was Ouch. kind of the... And I don't know if that's an assessment of Poland or assessment of Russia, but um, you know things are getting real if, if Poland is feeling the tension. Um, but that's obviously, you know, the stuff we talked about last week could be involved in that too in terms of fortifying uh, borders and... Um, and just an escalating situation. Uh, I think it's comparable for Ukraine because they're essentially dealing with the same neighbor, and and this neighbor is stuck on a record loop of trying to relive the glory of, uh, of the days when they were a legitimate civilization state um, on par with other noble enterprises like uh, the Chinese Communist Party and the Third Reich. You know, there's no amount of military force that can stop a nation that's uh, as powerful even as Russia. But, you know, I think just like Poland's doing with their setup, they're just trying to make the war, um, they're just trying to make it costly enough to the point where, where the Russian public will basically stop supporting the whole campaign. In light of this, uh, here, here's another quote according to Reuters. President Vladimir Zelensky on Friday said that Ukraine had uncovered a plot to overthrow his government next week involving individuals from Russia caught on tape talking about roping Ukrainians' richest businessmen into backing a coup. Now, he even had a specific date. 
he said December 1st or December 2nd when this coup is supposed to happen in the country. So so we're, we're talking about, you know, by the time you're listening to this podcast, you're probably going to, you're a few days away from hearing it unfold or maybe you've already seen it unfold. So that's kind of, you know, something to keep an eye on. Hopefully not. Hopefully not, yes. Um, so another last quote that I'm reading for today is that Russia has said uh, it suspects Ukraine of wanting to recapture separatist-controlled territory by force. President Volodymyr Zelensky said on Friday that Kyiv had no such plans and that Russia's rhetoric opposing Ukraine's bid to join NATO was worrying. Uh, also, they said Ukraine received a large consignment of U.S. ammunition and Javelin missiles earlier this year, and that soldiers say they also have mortars and Turkish attack drones. Whatever happens on December 1st, December 2nd, or in the coming months, you know, towards the end of December, next year, January, uh, there will be a fight. It will probably be not, not a winning fight for Ukraine, but it will be a costly fight for Russia. Yeah, and I don't think that fact or any of the stuff that you know, you just quoted is uh, is something that Russian officials or, or politicians are unaware of. But that means that this cost to them is something that they see as an expediency. And so Russia, I guess the Soviet Union as a whole, does have a history of not caring a whole lot about the well-being of its own citizens. So what can you expect? And that's not to say that Russia is any less desirable as an overlord, I guess, than any other civilization state that's fighting for that same influence but i do think that you know the the statistics that come out of out of this war that's happening already in ukraine you know 14,000 um you know soldiers and civilians combined um have died definitely that statistic doesn't help the case of them portraying themselves as the benevolent sheriff of nottingham attitude yeah well we share this because uh we're a few days away you know the date is just around the corner and this might be just another piece of political rhetoric, um, but it could be a harbinger of devastating times to come. Now, what is sad is that we're entering into the winter months and with all the uncertainty around COVID with Europe. And as we mentioned last week, Belarus facing mi- migrant crisis. Uh, we have similar things going on on our border. I see all of this as uh, people's nerves are giving up and not handling the tension well, the tension that's been building up for a few years now. So as you continue to go about your week, you know, even today, consider uh, the people of Ukraine, the regular folks who who otherwise would uh, care less about politics, but they get entangled in these deadly games of the power-hungry leaders who essentially play chess uh, using, you know, their lives on this global world scale. So pray that God gives wisdom to the people and uh, that he may bless the nations to seek him during this time of uncertainty and upheaval around the world. And uh, I conclude this episode with a um, sample of um, the instrumental version of the Ukrainian hymn. Enjoy. Well, that's all for the stories for this week. We are so glad you've joined us for another episode of Life Ring. We're excited about this next uh, season. Please consider following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. Uh, all you have to do is just type in Life Ring Podcast. In fact, whenever you forget how to find us, go to Google. Life Ring Podcast, that's us. 
Also consider sharing it with a friend or family member that would benefit from a weekly overview of the current events from a conservative and Christian perspective. And as always, we would like to remind you that there is no better news on any given day than the good news of Jesus Christ. He died for the sins of the world so that everyone who comes to him would be saved. We encourage you to seek him if you haven't already. Thank you for listening to Life Ring, and we will see you next week. See you.